Welcome aboard. This is Comparing Apples to Oranges. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And uh, this is the podcast where we take two things in the same category that don't belong in the same genre and using a special set of criteria for this episode, tell you which one's better. Dan, welcome back. Good to be back. You have been very active on the podcast scene, but uh, we're so happy that you're back here at Comparing Apples to Oranges for a little bit. My pleasure. Lending us your talents, as always. Dan, this is episode 6-0, so it oh, is... Oh, I thought you were going to say 69. Uh, no, you'll be back for that one, too. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but it's been... Uh, so this is the end of year... Or the start of year five? No, end of year five. Uh, you started it with us, so I thought it would be appropriate for you to um, end year five with us. Uh, this is coming out in March, so 2020 is over. We're months into the future. Yeah, and, and and the world's amazing again. Everybody has rocket packs, and all they do is shoot COVID vaccine. <laughs> Everybody's been vaccinated, and everybody's hugging each other. And Instead of pollution, we other. just, uh, you know, it's hugs. That's the number one polluter these days. Um, yep. Which is fine. There's, there's an overabundance of hugs and, and tongue kissing going which on. Which is legal now. Because yep. no one has, uh, you know, we don't have to wear a mask Every, all the time. Everybody Although, got $10,000 stimulus checks. <laughs> I spent mine on two dune buggies. <laughs> <laughs> one big one, and then I could put the little one in the back if that one breaks down. So I can go get... Re- I, bought, I bought a dune for which to buggy in. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how cheap that dune was? <laughs> uh, dunes are cheap, man. Yeah, it's, it's an old... It's just- it's an old Toys R Us, which is kind of melt, you know, bittersweet, but still, it's an old, it's an old children's palace. <laughs> That's, for you, That's a for yeah. you, for you uh, Midwestern uh, toy store lovers of the of the eighties. Yeah, one. I got one more. It's an old B Dalton. All right. <laughs> Not a toy store, uh, but toy store I'm for the, the mind. I was watching the new Wonder Woman movie, which takes place in nineteen eighty four. Okay. And they were they were at a mall, and there was a Walden books in the background. <laughs> Do you think that that's there? I know Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was already a comic uh, series, or was it an arc, or what? Like it was a story, but it just sort of seems like they're cashing in on how much fun people had watching Captain Marvel, where they're like, "Oh, it's a blockbuster, bro." Like, remember when we took a a pretty girl? Who's got like really strong, and we put her in the past, and then she, and then there was a blockbuster video. You guys like blockbuster, right? They're like, yeah. Yeah, I do. What about grunge music? You're like, I'm into that. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah, Uh, so that's uh, that's that's what they're just gonna keep doing. Yeah, so the future's great. That's what we're here. Although I guess to the listener, this is the present. So Mm -hmm. you already know. You're listening to this uh, on your Wi-Fi speakers, probably. Those are real, though, right? Yeah, they've had those for a while. Cool. I'm still catching up. I listen to everything through rotary phone, so uh, let's let's get into it. Dan, you're you're a big fan of sports, is this right? I love sports. I'm looking at your uh, I'm looking at your uh, your file right now, and I have you down as big sports fan. Yep. Um, sports fan. What would you say are your top three sports to watch? Oh, on man. first. Uh, in person. So, do you remember what that is? Yeah, remember when you could go go places and have fun? No, I go um, places and have fun. I just can't. <laughs> I can't be near people, and it's not fun. Oh wait, yeah, I guess you're right. I forgot. 
Uh, top top three to watch in person, I yeah. would say uh, baseball, basketball, and um, probably miniature golf. Okay. What are your yeah. like not to not to participate, just to watch. I like to, I'm just uh, a student of the game. You because now correct me if I'm wrong. You multiple places have called you you know the putting uh, peeper, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the putting peeper. So now you you are I think you are you have to stay at least fifty yards away from the people. So but I'm not allowed anywhere near. You are I using <laughs> you are using uh, the set of binoculars I got you from for uh, the holidays. You're using the hell out of those. So you know <laughs> yep. that's great. Um, what are your favorite three sports to participate in? Um, well, I played baseball and basketball in in high school. Um, those were always my my two favorites. Um, but as far as like a, th- a third one, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, sports that are boring to watch, but are fun would be fun to do. Like I could never see myself sitting down and watching golf, but I think it'd be and I've never played it, but I think it would be fun to to at least try it. I know, you know, it's 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 a sport where people who dedicate their life to it still suck at it sometimes so you know somebody that that's never done it before it would probably be frustrating but i think if you go in with low expectations i think something like that would be fun to do i love bowling um but god when bowling's on tv like why would anybody want to watch that <laughs> you know? I, I have a comparable one uh i like playing darts sometimes like if i'm if i'm in the mood i'll play cricket i can't i don't know the regular other, I don't play the other games, but I like playing cricket because that's, I think, it's a g- great equalizer. But every time it's on TV, you're like, come on, can't we just mm-hmm. just show like a rerun of the Harlem Globetrotters? Or, yep, I love the Harlem Globetrotters. Or anything yeah. from, you know, the Winter Sports Olympics. That, that's great. I'll watch some of that. It's really gotten weird over the last 20 years or so with what they show on TV. I mean, because there's... There's people playing bags, or as we call it, cornhole here in the. In the is Midwest. there is there a third one? You know how there's soda pop and Coke, are like the three ways you can call like a soft drink. Are is there a third one for? Because bags, I, I think is what I call. Heard, I think I call I've, it bags. I've heard it called hillbilly horseshoes. Now, have you played <laughs> hillbilly golf? That's the one we play where like the ladder golf. Right. Yeah. With that the one. Lungs, yeah. yeah. The PVC and pipe. That's, and that's another one too, where it's. I think it's got several different names. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, those. I mean, the stuff like that 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 they put on TV now. It's. I think that live, not and not even live, but just you know, original content is so valuable now that people are just taking whatever they can get. And there was like, when did the big poker thing? start you know that was like 10 or 15 years ago wasn't it and there was like a big huge movement and now poker's on tv all the time so i know it it had to have been before uh the daniel craig casino royale because they change like the game they're playing Mm -hmm. to texas hold'em so i think Mm -hmm. that at least then possibly uh i haven't seen it but rounders is a game that's all about poker so i think maybe like that maybe set it off but um, this brings me to an interesting question, one that seems entirely too pedantic, but I, 
what do you where do you cross the line from game to sport like what i was, I, I was gonna ask you the same thing so <laughs> i think an easy way to do it is one if it's in the olympics um and uh two if it's if like because like the whole thing with e-gaming or e-sports mm-hmm. sorry e-gaming's redundant e-sports um it's not that those aren't highly specialized talented people playing um in the same way that like let's say a college athlete a college athlete versus a person on the street college athlete trains they have highly specialized set of skills and uh they compete at a competitive uh, compete at a level that is um entertaining so i think like so hold that in your mind and then like esports i think matches all that stuff uh they have a rabid enormous base of like followers which oh it's ridiculous um i mean like and people go so thousands of people will pack into an arena to watch it live those people make bank bro they make bank it's insane um and like they those people practice they put in an eight-hour work day like of practice and uh you someone's like oh whatever like but you can i think one of the benefits of watching is like you realize that you as a lay person are nowhere near them in skill and but i wouldn't consider that a sport and in the same way that I don't feel comfortable calling ping pong a sport or pool or darts a sport, I think that it needs to be, um, I think it needs to be athletic in a way that, uh, is not just one, one thing. So like, I don't think arm wrestling is a sport, but you need to train physically for it, right. but it's only like, it's sort of maximizes one thing you don't need to be an all-around athlete where like basketball you need to run have hand-eye coordination work as a team have defense jump and be able to like aim so like those are all those things and you could argue like oh well that's just team sports you're like well like you said golf golf you need to have physical strength you need to like understand like the right club to use you need to understand hand-eye coordination you need to understand spatial reasoning there's all this other sort of stuff where like with pool you just need to know physics and like being strong doesn't always help with pool or billiards is a different thing but the same sort of thing so like that's where i'm sort of uncomfortable with like that sort of stuff and i i always go back to uh this so stephen colbert sponsored the American Winter Olympic team, I want to say in 2000s, well, it'd have to be an odd year. So 2006, does this sound right? Or maybe 2010. But he, like, sponsored them, and he was talking to the curling team, and one of the guys, he's like, oh, so you're, like, you're all Olympic athletes here. He's like, yep. And they're like, and he told the one guy, he's like, can you touch your toes? And the guy didn't even try. He just looked him in the face and said, no. He said... (laughs) He said, you're a world-class curler. Like, you, this is, you, you, you guys have won championships. He's like, can't do it. <laughs> he didn't even try. He didn't even, like, he didn't bend over. He just, he did, he was sitting down at the time, so. But I wonder if, like, th- that's sort of where I put the delineation. So it's like, just because you can be good at something through training doesn't make it a sport in my, in my book. 
yeah, and I think there's the, the one that has always been a big battle at, for legitimacy in the sporting world is uh, NASCAR or auto racing. Because if if you live in the South, I mean, it's a sport. It's I mean, it's, it's all. It, I think it's that's sort of tied up with their their history too because like nascar started there because it was sort of like they built these souped up cars to like help run booze and like escape from like it it has a really interesting like what part of it has a really interesting history and it and i'm sure it's highly i couldn't do it full stop like i you know if i make a right turn with no traffic around going 25 i'm like oh my god I'm going to flip and die. I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm up on two wheels. Yeah. And like, uh, there's, have you ever, so we went on a family vacation and witnessed a NASCAR event in Indianapolis. It wasn't the Indy 500. I think it was the Brickyard 400. It wasn't the biggest one, but like these cars go by and it, it, it shakes everything in its vicinity and it's loud and it's scary and they are so fast and like yes you have to be physically attuned to be able to react and know what your car is doing and sort of like that's when you pull off and you have to you know understand what happens when you you know clip somebody but i don't think it's a sport yeah and that's and that's the one that really comes to mind when I when I think about the the argument between sport or recreational activity or game. Would you uh, consider NASCAR's the one that always comes up? Would you consider like horse racing a sport? See, and that's another one too because you know, like in the Olympics, they have like the um, dressage, a dressage, the horse dancing, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, and like. Are you really doing it? You're not really doing anything. It's the horse doing all the work. Right. And, but it's, you know, the, the, the announcers will be like, these high caliber athletes uh, have trained their whole lives to. <laughs> to be this short. I've <laughs> trained their whole lives to sit on this horse. This guy. The horse do all the work. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I, it's not that it's, there's no way I can, I, I have no, you know, illusions that I could do any of this stuff. Just like I can't, I can't drive a car that fast. Like I would, I would throw up if I, if if I was in the back and I knew somebody was going to lap me in like 40 minutes, I just, I'd crash my car and jump into the stands. Like just the, the mere idea that a car would be traveling by like going 130 miles an hour next to me and like. You know, you're like, oh, no, that's terrifying. And they have to do it for so long, so it's an endurance test, too. But, like, I can't – I don't consider that athletic. I do consider it incredibly specific skill set that people have to train for. And and if you don't, then you are a laughingstock. You know, like, people are like, oh, you're really bad at this. You're like, yeah. Um, So the two sports we're looking at today are bowling – and rollerball. Um, of course. So, do you consider, on the premise of both of them, do you consider them both sports? Um, I, 
I would say rollerball for sure, um, just because of how athletic it is. What about the motorcycles? Um, <laughs> and, then, and then there's the motorcycles. Do, uh, does each team have two motorcycles? <laughs> Everybody knows that, Mike. Okay. Get two. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> but, I mean, bowling's another one of those that is in that gray area between sport and game or sport and recreational activity. Right. Because there's obviously a stark difference between people who are really good at it and consistently good at it and the people who aren't. But, you know, it's not – it's not something that takes an incredible amount of like strength or an incredible amount of, you know, athleticism. It's, it's kind of similar to billiards in that it is more about like physics and, you know, rotation and, you know, you don't have to be the, the, the fittest, strongest person in order to excel at that. But, you know, that, that can be said for, for other sports, too. Like, Babe Ruth was a fat piece of shit. Oh, huge. And... <laughs> That's the only reason he was good is because he just got to walk around the bases when he hit a dinger. So much better than everybody else at hitting the baseball. He's like, okay, I'm eating a hot dog as I crack the bat. And then he's walking around when he gets to second. I was going to say, when he gets to second, he lights up the stogie. When he gets to home, he gets his beer. Stop, catch his breath. <laughs> Was he a pitcher as well? He Is was, that right? He was okay. a really good pitcher. Yeah. But they, uh, he was such a good hitter, they couldn't – they they wanted to play him every day, and so they eventually um, stuck him in the outfield so he could – Sit in a lawn chair. <laughs> <laughs> like, babe, we got to put you on the field somewhere. We're not going to make you do anything. Uh, Johnny over here in center field will run over and <laughs> you cover your area. <laughs> But we just need you to uh, swing the stick when your turn comes up. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's the salt in the swat, Dan. He is. The king of crash. All right. Great Bambino. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's a good segue into uh, whether we think these two movies are, or these two things are sports. Both of these are definite sports movies. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air about what what's a good sports movie. When you hear sports movie, what are the top... You don't have to give me all five, but what movies will show up in your top five sports movies? I know we're going to do recommendations later, but like you think sports movie, you're like, oh, you know, this and this and this. I mean, for me, it has to, it has to be believable. I think the, the actors that are portraying the... The characters or the athletes have to be believable. I think you have to, you know, suspend your disbelief and say that no, that's not Rosie O'Donnell. That's a legitimate baseball player. We're talking about the Flintstones. <laughs> the Flintstones, of course. Uh, and I think that if they can do that, then that really is you're really on the right track to making a good sports movie. But then there. In, in addition to believability, you know, there's been movies that have some of the most, you know, believable, you know, sports scenes in them, but they're not great movies because they don't have a, a great story. 
And you know, when you were talking, we were talking before you started recording. The majority of the sports movies are, are of the good sports movies are, are underdog stories, and they don't necessarily have to be. But like Major League is one of my favorite movies that, of all time. That was going to be one of mine. Otherwise, yeah. And and it's about an entire franchise of of underdogs. Ragtag. And, and they, <laughs> they, uh, uh, she, the owner is trying to. Uh, purposely make the team fail so she can move the team to Florida. This was before we had baseball teams and in, in major league baseball teams in Florida, so it was a oh. big, a big thing. And uh, she gives the list of people they're inviting to spring training, and uh, they said, uh, "I'm half these guys. I've are past their prime. The other half I've never heard of." And they said, "This guy here is dead. <laughs> just cross him off then." <laughs> And just the fact that I can deliver that line to you out of context and it's hilarious yeah. mixed in with, you know, the the believable, you know, uh, people in the movie, how, you know, how the, the baseball is portrayed and then, you know, the overcoming obstacles as underdogs and making you want to, you know, root for these characters that also have flaws. You know, I think that's another thing, too, is, you know, the the characters have to be believable as athletes, but they also have to be believable as people too. And you have to, you know, have some kind of connection with them. Uh, and I think that, you know, movies like major league do that. Um, I think, uh, you know, Kevin Costner, like had this run of baseball movies that were all, that were all very good. And I think that that's something obviously that he is, passionate about and I think that comes through in the performances because if they're something that they're passionate about I think that that it'll come out in the performance but you know as far as you said uh, believable you know athletic scenes uh, but also you know the fact that it's it's got to have some kind of, of story behind it that it doesn't have to be an underdog story, but there's got to be a, a journey. Uh, there's got to be a journey of the characters, and it doesn't even have to have a happy ending. You know, some of the best sports movies don't have a happy ending, um, and I, you know, I won't spoil them for the for the people that that haven't seen them. But you know, not all sports movies have the have the Disney ending where they you know win the big uh, win the big game at the end or whatever. You know, sometimes you fall short, and I think that. That's a good thing too, because that's believable. Sometimes you get, you work your butt off, and you get that close to the precipice of what you want to do, and you, you fall short. And I think that could be a, uh, you know, another component of a good sports movie too, is that it doesn't have to, you know, as long as you're along, as long as you enjoy the journey, you know, the ending doesn't have to work out, you know, with the the big Disney ending, so to speak. I think that's a really good point, and I am gonna ruin the ending of the mo the original Rocky movie. And then I think, I think it's good for like, you mentioned that you don't have to win the, the ultimate thing. I think major leagues a really good example of that. Cause mm -hmm. they don't win the world series. That's not yeah. where the movie ends. The movie ends with them accomplishing something that they thought they couldn't do yeah. through like hard work, teamwork, you know? And I think Rocky is, it is, the best example of this mm -hmm. in yep. pop culture. I'm sure there's, you know, like there's other movies that 
are uh, also good, but Rocky's the best known. He doesn't win his fight. He loses his fight, but that wasn't his goal. And so it's, I think that's a really good thing to sort of set up for the, the audience, which are the fans is like, just because you win doesn't mean you're the best. And I think that's, you know, what his story was all about is like, uh, you're a, a regular person but if you work hard enough you can achieve things that you set up as your goal and i think that that is really cool and like all sports movies you don't always want them to be the best because it one montage isn't enough for you sometimes you know and i think those movies those sports movies are the ones that are the most frustrating like you know like in the movie dodgeball just because there's good guys and bad guys it's kind of frustrating that the good guys would win just because they wanted it more you're like that's not really how sports work because like as a sports fan you want your team to win all the time right and so sometimes you like i think that's like the 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 lesson a good lesson from rocky is just because you want it doesn't mean you're going to get it because you're not the best all the time Right. And that's sort of lost in all the other Rocky movies, but you know that—that's <laughs> probably why they didn't win an Academy Award. So, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, because if he dies, he dies, Dan. So that's right. That's true. That's so, true. Uh, are you ready to start talking about these movies? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Let's um, go. So the 1996 Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, and then at, like at the time, Bill Murray isn't top build um and when you look this when you when i looked this movie up on uh youtube for a trailer uh it is listed as a randy quaid movie (laughs) a randy quaid joint (laughs) and i think the thing about the top three male uh talent bill murray randy quaid woody harrelson all three of them were just rocking movies out before and during this time. Like, both Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray were in three movies this year, 1996, yeah. which is insane. Um, this is technically a sports comedy film directed by your boys, Peter and Bobby Farley. Or, sorry, is it Fairly? Fairly. Because it has the... Yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Um, Dan... They were listed as, because at the time, they had put out uh, Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think Fairly Brothers, what do you think of? What's your number one go-to? Um, they did uh, something about Mary, didn't they? Mm-hmm. That's, prob- that's probably the one that uh, I think of the most. That one, when I was working at Blockbuster back yeah. in the day, when that came out, that was a big, big movie. Um, I mean, did big box office, but then also did big in the, in, you know, the aftermarket, the rental and the, and the sales, um, back when people used to, you know, still buy physical copies of movies and rent physical copies of movies. And I, I even remember we, we sold the little, uh, stuffed dog that was wrapped up in the, in the cast. (laughs) We sold those and they were gone. They, they flew off the shelves (laughs) because everybody had to have one of those. That that's the one that uh, you know is probably the biggest one that that comes to mind for me. Okay, so just real quick, I want to run down. So Dumb and Dumber was their first, then Kingpin, the movie we watched, then Something About Mary. That was their three 
94, 96, 98, they have a great run of things. And then uh, a couple like hits and misses, Me, Myself, and Irene, Say It Isn't So, Shallow Hal, Stuck on You, and Fever Pitch, which I think actually Stuck on You, Fever Pitch, The Ringer, those are all sports movies, I think, or movie with sports in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then... realized they did Fever Pitch. That's the Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Drew Barrymore one. Yeah. You know, uh, Match Made in Hollywood Heaven, those two. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> they also did Green Book. Peter Farrelly did Green Book. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was the writer, director, producer. Of Green Book? The one that won all those Oscars? Academy Award for Best Picture winner, yeah. Okay. Uh, huh. All right, let's, uh... That was the movie that was playing, uh, last year at Christmas at my, my in-law's house, um, very loudly, and they use the N-word quite a bit. Viggo Mortensen, yeah. Yeah. Aragorn, really tearing it up with the N-word. Who'd have guessed? Yeah. Um... I mean, I... I mean, I expect some N-words on Christmas, but... Nativity. <laughs> Nightingale. Yeah. Noel. Um, yeah. That's about yeah, it, though. Those are all good ones. Yeah. Those are all good ones. That's not the one I kept hearing. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so, I think it's kind of well known that these guys are slapstick, somewhat gross-out uh, physical comedy guys. They, they like pushing the envelope, they like being silly, uh, but ultimately their main characters have a lot of heart, so you sort of root for them, even though, you know, they'll do stuff that's technically gross. And um, we get plenty of gross stuff. Our, our lead character is Woody Harrelson, uh, who plays Ray Munson, a uh, bowling prodigy who's going to leave his small town in Indiana and uh, blow up the scene of professional bowling. Sem- he yeah. starts with semi-pro bowling, and then he's going to go on to be, like, the world's best. And he runs into uh, Bill Murray's character. I don't Ernie McCracken. Ernie McCracken. Big Earn, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, who is sort of a uh, shark when it comes to amateur bowling and... Uh, sort of sets Ray Munson up, uh, Woody Harrelson's character, up for defeat. Uh, They try and, like, they hustle some people in a small town. Um, He puts sugar in his gas tank. And then uh, when he needs him most, he abandons him. And uh, that's right, uh, Woody Harrelson gets his hand cut off and has a hook for a hand. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Bill Murray's character uses um woody harrelson as like hustle some and it's very reminiscent of woody harrelson's in and wesley snipes and white man can't jump <laughs> if you if you've ever if you've never seen that i, I have not actually it's oh on my, my list God. mike one of the greatest sports movies of all time honestly uh but you know they they don't suspect Woody Harrelson's character would be very good at basketball. Also, they say, oh, well, I'll take the white guy. And then turns out he's really good, and they hustle these guys out of all this money. You know, kind of like the uh, – what was the um, the old Paul Newman movie, The Hustler? Yeah, and, uh, Color of Money. Color of Money was the, the sequel to that. You know, hustling is, is a thing that is very 
prominent in a lot of different sports or games, and apparently bowling is no. Uh, I wouldn't re- didn't realize there was bowling hustlers, but apparently there are. Yeah, they're fake and, priests. <laughs> and some uh, some of the people that got hustled did not take too kindly to being hustled, and they shoved Woody Harrelson's hand in the ball return. A little something I like to call small t- small town justice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, th- and this was after uh, Woody Harrelson's character had won the $1,000 Odor Eaters Bowling Championship. <laughs> Shook hands with the guy in the great. giant foot costume. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of stuff in this movie that made me laugh. Yeah. Very loudly. Yes. <laughs> I was. This is a movie that I had people had told me for a while that it was funny. I mean, God, it came out you know '96, uh, so was that. Uh, 24 years ago. ago and then I've, I've not watched this movie just because I just never was in the mood to and yeah. I laughed hard many times uh, and then I told you before we started recording <laughs> where Phil Murray just kind of offhandedly you know, orders a tangerine and tab <laughs> <laughs> which by the way has got to be so gross that's <laughs> My dad uh, worked at Coca-Cola for 20-something years while he was going to law school at night, of course, which is the natural progression of, uh, of lawyers. And he's, he, always, he always talks about how Tab is the, the worst soda ever created. Oh, he hasn't had Surge. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the worst soda ever created is, is Tab. Like, if you text him right now and say, what is the grossest soda ever created? He would probably say Tab. <laughs> Because I think Tab was like kind of when they were experimenting with other sweeteners, oh. like before before Diet Coke became a thing. Yeah, yeah. And they were experimenting with other ways other than sugar, and they didn't get it right. This one we just <laughs> we just prayed over it and said, "Please be sweet, please be sweet." Uh, speaking of speaking of which, kind of uh, a tangential story here, but when my dad was uh, working at Coca Cola. Uh, once a year, they would have a rabbi come in and bless the. Uh, then it's the kosher. Vat. Yep. And they and they released you know limited numbers of kosher coke yeah, man. every year. That's so, how you do it. Uh, I don't know how hard those were to get your hands on, but I'm sure they sent uh, it to specific markets. A true story. I no, it's a hundred percent. Like they they every almost all like thing anything with the nutrition facts will also have like if it's kosher or not marked on it mm-hmm. but it has like a special symbol so it's usually it's like a k and a triangle lets you know if it's kosher i can't remember what delineates if it's not maybe it just doesn't have it but yeah so your boy uh, uh woody harrelson gets his hand chopped off and then he's got like a hook but he's also got like a rubber hand so he can wear like his state championship ring on right <laughs> for a while and then that's, and then we're kind of off to the races after that. And uh, his character comes across a... Um... Oh, so he's he's totally humiliated. Yeah. He has to live in squalor. He's a, you know, a no-good, lazy bum who can't make money. Yeah. He's yeah. he's never gone can't home again. Alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. He's a bad dude. Yeah, life's got him down. Uh, he really got screwed over by uh, Bill Murray's character, and then Bill Murray disappears for like the the middle, you know, uh, 
60% of the movie. Uh, but then we'll make a, you know, big reappearance at the end. Uh, Bill Murray's just, I mean, kind of almost everything he's ever done, he's amazing. He's just, he's a national treasure. <laughs> um, Libby was upset that Bill Murray was the was a like the bad character, bad character in the movie. So she's like, I can't watch this. So she left. But like, so within the same year that this came out space jam came out and that's bill murray no joke it just says playing himself uh-huh. he has a backwards baseball cap another one of the greatest sports movies of all time <laughs> of like a full t-shirt on and then like giant basketball shorts and a jersey on and he's he's the exact same character as he is in this movie but for some reason in this movie he's bad and i don't know why they made him bad uh yeah, Bill Murray uh, is a like a I I think that was like a big dream of his to be in Space Jam because he's such a big Chicago sports fan. Oh, um, interesting. Michael, Michael Jordan was in that movie. Uh, and the Monstars. Like he, they take me out to the ball game at the Cubs games all the time, and was real prominent when they had their World Series run a, a few years ago. So, uh, and then if you go around Chicago, there's just paintings of bill murray yeah like as like a, a disciple of jesus yeah. or you know you know our lord and savior bill murray and pictures you know, of like me. pictures of mao in china we got bill over here yeah, exactly i'll take it <laughs> he's killed bill way murray less people and, uh, bill murray and woody harrelson uh reconnected years later in uh zombie land oh wow How about so that? i i knew that but i i didn't make that connection thank yeah. you for that welcome um so let's just talk real quick about randy quaid uh he's a amish man in this movie who uh woody harrelson sees bowling and he's like oh you're a phenom um and it's sort of like he's gonna live vicariously through him right uh then we find out that he's actually not that good at bowling <laughs> which i thought that, that was pretty funny he's like yeah we do 15 frames <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got a 270 average <laughs> Oh, you bowl fifty percent more than every than everybody else does. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I didn't like any of the the Amish scenes. Any of this, I thought all of that was like just played off. And you're like, look how weird these people are. Look how dumb they are. Like, I thought that was kind of lazy. Um, but uh, then they meet a uh, sexy lady who's a love interest for both of them. I think. And, but she's also like, um, a hustler. So they like roll with her for a while and then they get to like, they finally make it to the finals and, uh, surprising twist, Randy Quaid, who's going to be their golden boy breaks his hand. So Woody Harrelson with his rubber hand has to bowl. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, and, and then and rediscovers the magic. Yeah. And so it, it, pits uh bill murray and woody harrelson against each other again in a uh sort of you know a reimagining of what happened sort of like a culmination of the first time they met too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's so that's uh our kingpin movie um let's stroll on over to rollerball your favorite movie my favorite movie out of 2002 uh it it is 
known as a Jean Reno movie on YouTube. When up, whenever you look up Rollerball 2002, uh, is that how you say his name? That's how I always say it. Okay. The guy from Leon the <laughs> Professional and Mission Impossible One. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a 2002 remake of the 1975 science fiction film, uh, and it stars Chris Klein. Um, American Pie fame. He's this was right after American Pie 2, so he's sort of like coasting on that. It also said that he's in the the TV show Flash as Cicada, the serial killer. Is that track? Okay. You don't watch Flash? I don't watch it. I, I, I did. just assume you I did. I did. It got, got to be too much. I, I watched it for several seasons and got to be too much to keep track of with all the different superhero shows. That's fair. Um, also, so Jean Renault is the antagonist, um, a Russian who wears a, like, fur coat? Inexplicably, just half of the movie. But he's clearly a Frenchman, but his name is Alexei. <laughs> yep. And then uh, we got your boy LL Cool J, Lady Love, Cool James. That's um, right. From NCIS and Charlie's Angels fame. And Mama Said Knock You Out fame. Which... Yeah, and did he bells. <laughs> did he do a song for this movie? I'm sure he did. Okay, he al- he always does. So he did a song for NCIS, and it's called "No Crew Is Superior," and it's a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not the best song, but it's a pretty good song, Dan. I remember his when he was in Deep Blue Sea, he did a song and. Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. That doesn't make any sense. Nope. Uh, and then it's got Rebecca Romaine, uh, but at the time she was Rebecca Romaine Stamos because she was married to John Stamos of Full House fame. Um, she is best remembered in popular culture as uh, she's Mystique in the original um, X-Men trilogy. Right. And apparently she's also Lois Lane's voice actor in a lot of the um, DC Universe oh, animated shorts. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, I think she just started off as just a model, I think, and then mm-hmm. kind of transitioned into acting by way of just being very pretty. I mean, in 2002, she was not very good in this movie. And Mystique, <laughs> Mystique tradi- like, very well-known, has almost no lines. Right. But she is almost right. always naked, so right. that's probably... Somebody that had... Had a nice figure that they could just paint the the pasties onto. And you got to wear those weird uh, contact lenses to make you look like you have orange eyes. Because God knows we don't have technology for that. Um, so lot, so you're saying a lot of Hollywood heavyweights. And then we've got uh, Naveen Andrews. I hope that's how you say his first name. Uh, famous from Lost, if you remember Lost. Um, and then, Dan, I hope you're wearing your seatbelt or... You have your shirt tucked in because this is we got director John McTiernan That's from Die Hard and Predator and Die Hard Three. <laughs> okay, uh, he what, your favorite movie of all time, Die Hard. I have not seen Predator all the way through yet, so. Eh. Oh, okay. Um, so apparently, uh, he was the biggest proponent for this movie not being what a a quality remake um from everything i've seen uh he wanted a much greater focus on the action with more muted social and political overtones than the original 
Um, it also takes place in what is called the present instead of a future dystopian society, even though this is technically 2005 and the movie was made in 2002. So I, I read a lot of uh, similar things to that about how there was a original script to this movie. Yes. That was very, a lot of people said it was very good. Yeah, I also like, read that. that was, was very, like, you know, uh, very heavy on, on the social commentary, but... Which apparently the first one was as well. Right, right. Um, and kind of, I think, same thing uh, with... Uh, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Death Race. No, I have not. Or they Death Race 3000 or whatever it's yeah. called. And then I know they what you're did talking a, about. And then they did a remake of that. I think they did several remakes of that. Uh, several sequels uh, in the 2000s. But that was, you know, all about, you know... It had these cool, you know driving scenes but it was all all about society and you right. know the downfall of society and why that that happens and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and wait you know, what but... i'm just here i'm just <laughs> learning about this now yeah i'm telling you man you can learn a lot from movies you need to watch more movies but it, apparently the original script for this was very heavy on on that and i think there was um somebody that uh from like ain't it cool news okay. i forgot who that was. tracks like, that got to see the original script and thought it was fantastic and then got to see the first cut of the movie and said, well, what happened to the, the original script? So apparently the movie that we get here is not anywhere near what the writer's original vision for it was. So, And Mr. Diehard uh, changed it up quite a bit. Uh, inexplicably, almost. like So he just... So he didn't like it because it focused so much on social commentary. Right. And he thought the audience was looking for more rollerball scenes. Right. Um, I know you're going to hate this next sentence. This was why he had the original script completely rewritten several times and made sure that it focused more on WWE-like showmanship, including They're... crazy costumes and stunts while changing the film storyline from modern-day success story to classic underdog story. Speaking of WWE, okay. there was several uh, WWE and pro wrestling connections in this movie. Ooh. Uh, the announcer yes. uh, is Paul Heyman, who was uh, the creator. Uh, he was like a wrestling manager in the 80s and 90s for WCW. He uh, was the owner and creator of ECW. Oh wow! And uh, is currently a uh, a manager and uh, like mouthpiece for uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns in the WWE. All right, so he's uh, wow, good for him. And then, <laughs> do you remember the scene where your boy uh, Leon the Professional is getting all mad about his rollerball being on Channel One Hundred Nine? Yeah. So there. He pulls a gun. He does pull a gun because uh, so he's, you know, trying to secure international licensing, TV licensing for his product, and he apparently is not happy with being on channel 109. He wants to be on channels either, you know, between one and five. I thought he and, said channels one through five, like all of five. them. But that yeah, doesn't make sense, right? Channel six has origami, he said. But uh, Shane McMahon is in that scene. There's like a, oh. a Vince McMahon's son. 
I, I, I had to rewind it and go back and watch it. He doesn't say anything. Naturally. But he, looks, he looks over his shoulder, and then he looks over his shoulder again. Like, what's this guy pulling a gun out for, you know, TV rights about? Should I be doing that? You know, is this how negotiations are done? So Shane McMahon is in the film. And then the last thing that I caught is, uh, do you know what uh, wrestling, WWE specifically, is referred to? nowadays because Vince McMahon hates the word wrestling you will not hear the word wrestling on any WWE programming wow it's like a dirty word to him okay um they're called, called matches it's called sports entertainment no okay no I'm familiar with that phrase and they use the term sports entertainment in this movie when they're talking about rollerball whoa so and it's just kind of funny that that is like the, the the name that they use most often for for WWE specifically because they don't want to be associated with like Southern wrestling, you know, from the 70s and 80s. They want to be more mainstream. They want to be more worldwide. So they they hmm. they don't call their their athletes wrestlers. They call them superstars and they, divas. They, yeah. And they don't call them. They don't call it wrestling. They call it sports entertainment. So that was another thing. So if you uh, that is a, that is an inc- reminded me of what you said about WWE. That is an incredible uh, like philosophical argument that I would be very interested to hear like fans debate because in a lot of ways like the people who like wrestling are gonna like it no matter what you know some money-grabbing executive things. And I think that's kind of what the movie tries to get across, is, like, that, that, like, people who are concerned with just ratings and advertisements are the worst part of sports. I think that's what it was trying to get across. Um, but I want to (laughs) read... Uh, I want to read this one thing that I think is just insane. Um... In 2013, so 11 years after this movie, the director, uh, Mr. Die Hard, was sent to federal prison for making a false statement to an FBI investigator in 2006, four years after this movie, about his hiring a private investigator to illegally wiretap Charles Roven, the producer of the movie, around 2000, two years before the movie. Mr. Diehard, who was released in 2014, had been in a disagreement with the producer about what type of film Rollerball should be and hired the private investigator to investigate his intentions and actions. What the hell? <laughs> so, not only was this movie a box office bomb, where they, <laughs> they grossed $25 million against a production budget of $70 million, but the, direct, bad, right? the director went to jail! Dan. <laughs> uh, um, but I do have to say the opening scene with the street luge when uh, Chris Klein is street luging in hockey gear and LL Cool J pulls up alongside him, flings the door open, holds the seatbelt out and says, grab hold. That was like in my brain. I, when I watched the trailer and I'd seen the movie... I remember that from, like, years ago. 
I distinctly remember LL Cool J yelling, grab hold, as he holds a, like, I don't know why. I had never seen this movie before, but that's how important that scene was, that it permeated my brain. So, the concept of this movie is that Chris Klein is, is a hockey player who's, like, got drafted into the NHL, but he decides to do some street luge and is going to get in trouble for it? I have no idea. So the cops are very to, upset. So he has to go to, like, Kazakhstan to play rollerball with LL Cool J? <laughs> I think it's because there's a lot of money in rollerball. You know where else there's a lot of money? In hockey. In I don't NHL. know. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, Tiger Woods is making all this money. There must be a lot of money in golf. And you're like, no, he makes all of his money through the video game he had his name on. Nike, Powerade, Wheaties, yeah. like that's when like when he did all his like uh on his wife. Yeah, that's when he like lost all of his money cuz like winning <laughs> those championships was like 400k, but he was pulling like 9 million through mm -hmm. endorsements. So Yeah. I don't know how much money's in NHL. Why well, that's the from the start of this movie, that's what I really didn't understand is like why did he have to go to the other side of the world? I think it's because so it's suddenly. such a dangerous game that, like, it's He's always like chasing that thrill. I think it's an I think it's an underground thing, and okay. he's the best, and that's why. So one thing that I didn't understand that was made clear to me in a plot uh, summary is that like he and LL Cool J are getting paid bank and treated mm -hmm. really well yeah. where all of the rest of their team is underpaid and right. they're like the they're literal minorities in like from the country like you haven't heard of the countries they're from or like they're a refugee or like etc cetera, etc cetera. and so right. like these There's two like guys cannon, cannon fodder yes um also can you try to Tell the audience what rollerball is. How do you I, I how do you try. score? What's the point? Okay, so it, it's kind of based on roller derby. Okay. Um, which, when you think of roller derby, you think of uh, the chicks with the the circular track, and they're all on roller skates, and they're all wearing helmets. Is and is there a, and, is there a male roller derby? I'm only familiar with female. Cause I'm only. I'm only familiar with female too. We went um, to a roller derby fundraiser for yeah. trivia. <laughs> we did. And all the ladies put, from the team were on roller blades skating. going around to like do the 50-50 and stuff. Yeah, skating around. But it but the the whole point of roller derby is that you go in the circular track and you try to like knock the other people over. Um I I guess you have like one I don't know. I thought roller derby got like big again, like briefly, like in the late '80s, early '90s. I didn't know it was, that. Like, on TV. Oh, cool. Because um, I think it came on like after American Gladiators or something. That's the reason, like, why that I tracks. Saw it. Uh, but I thought there was like one person on your team that you were trying to protect. Yes, they um, have a specific name. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, and then they would like they would whip each other, like grab them by the arm and like fling them forward till they get 
more speed. And yeah. So it's based on roller derby. However, motorcycles. This one, uh, <laughs> it's like a figure eight track, and it's like roller derby mixed with demolition derby. <laughs> right. So it's got like people skating, but it's also got motorcycles. Yeah. And it's also kind of like Quidditch. And Naturally. Got like this ball. Big, big to, metal ball. You have to throw it at a gong, and when it hits the gong, like, uh, you know, fireworks go off and shit. They said you have and, to hit it hard enough for the pyrotechnics to go off. So presumably, you can, like, it's like you get a ball in the don't goal. Hit it like bitch. Yeah, you. <laughs> it's like saying. they don't count layups, sort of thing. Yeah. You gotta go. You gotta take it strong to the hole. Uh, and I think LL Cool J, who's like one of the star players, I think at one time he even says that he doesn't understand <laughs> the game. He's got a lot of great lines in this movie. They gave him <laughs> nothing but scenery chomping lines. And there's really there's in the last part of the movie, the the evil guy Petrovich or thank you, Alexi, yeah. Her coat. He says there's going to be no rules in the last game or now, fouls or penalties. Now, how is that any different from the beginning of the movie? Because <laughs> your announcer literally <laughs> says the only thing you have to do is once you get the ball, you have to go over the rabbit run. So, like, you have to, it's like you have to get the ball technically on your side of the court to score. And then once you do that, you have to go in the figure eight and then hit the thing. And he says, that's it. No other. He says no other rules. But there's there's a lot of stuff happening at the beginning of this movie that makes you think that there are no rules either. That's because there are no rules. The only <laughs> rule is like you have to go over the, the top. You have to go through so the middle. The last game different from any of the other games that were played? Also, the they make a big... <laughs> I so this is I distinctly remember uh Roger Ebert making this point where he's like the the whole impetus for Chris Klein's character Jonathan giving a shit is that like his friend who I think has I think he's like he has intellectual I think he's intellectually like the big guy who gets his face punched off with the ball and like i don't know if he dies or whatever because they don't follow up but they're like his helmet strap was cut and that's right. a big deal chris klein never wears it signature his movie. his signature is to have the the chin strap <laughs> unclicked and you're just like what's going on never at at any point in the movie <laughs> I remember that when she, his chin strap was cut. I and that's like, like over here never wears it. It's a plot point. It's three <laughs> characters discuss it no less than two times. <sighs> um. Yeah. So that was frustrating. What about uh, the uh, the night vision scene? What do you think about that? It was, I think it was five minutes. <laughs> And, you know, so I had an issue because I uh, didn't watch this on Stars. I was worried that I got, like, a like a corrupted version. Yep, yep. And I'm just like, oh, no. 
Um, is it going to be like this the rest of the movie? You know who else was thinking that, Dan? People who paid to see the movie in theaters. <laughs> they thought something terrible had happened. Because it had. Like, oh no, somebody spilled their coffee on the reel. Uh, it's called the infamous night vision sequence. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Well, what what I read is that they, when they originally filmed it, they filmed it too dark. And then when they showed the film, they nobody could see anything unbelievable like, it was kind of like that the last uh, season of game of thrones where they had that the big battle where like nobody could see anything so they went back and just put like a green light effect over it to, to make it seem like that was done on purpose but it has nothing to do with the plot of nobody has night vision to, to my knowledge no. in this movie uh <laughs> It just all of a sudden it goes in the night vision because they fucked up when they filmed it. It did and delay the movie six months, though. Six months, and that was their fix for it. Then they <laughs> shot. Six months. They shot the movie. That. They shot the movie in fifteen weeks, and this one scene delayed them six months. Oh my god! Just cut it. Like you don't need it. Just, just cut it, bro. It didn't make any sense. No. The, the other thing, um, uh, I think I read, in, uh, and I didn't even, it, this didn't even register with me, but I read it in Roger Ebert's review when he was talking about uh, the, the concept of instant global rating. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, there there's like a digital readout of how many viewers there are. Oh. And when something like, really exciting happens the ratings immediately go up yes so this means that people who were not watching somehow mystically sensed that something cool was happening and so they turned it on <laughs> in exact exact minute and the it's the numbers like, the numbers are so low they're always under 40 percent like it's not like they were already watching and they had like a like a heart monitor and like it sensed like when they got more excited no they weren't watching something cool happened and at that exact moment they decided to turn it on i think what was happening is so i'm watching it and i'm watching you know a man with intellectual disability getting murdered and i call you on the phone i'm like guess what okay. you you better turn on channel 109 and you do okay. and you're like you're like this is origami and i'm like got you i hang up <laughs> I called back. I said, this time it's for real. <laughs> like that's, that's what I presume. I think that's, I think that's his argument. Okay. Or maybe like attention. No, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing either. And that's, that, that's how rollerballs. We, yeah, we shouldn't have to be doing the work for rollerball. That's all I'm saying. 25 million. You could have made a little bit more happen. Oh no. They had a budget of 70, excuse oh, me, 70 million. Yeah. 2002 money damn that's that's 700 okay Bro, that's a lot of money it's a lot um i think we've talked too much about both these movies let's uh we'll be back in just a second with some criteria to decide which one's better we are back uh it's time for us to tell you the four criteria for Deciding which sports movie, Kingpin or Rollerball from 2002, is better. Dan, we always start with rewatchability when we talk about movies. 
Um, might not be the best movie, uh, but which one was more enjoyable to um, rewatch or to show to someone else again? Uh, we also mentioned which sport um, was portrayed in a way that we either want to participate in or go to an actual event and be a participant as an audience member or fan of the sport. Um, we talked about how realistic or believable the game was. Um, so that goes a lot to the acting, uh, the casting, and usually sort of like how good of a job did they do making these actors look like athletes. And then last of all, we talk about um, the story that was in the sports movie. So uh, it's kind of hard to say either of these are actual sports um, because one is made up and one is bowling. So you could say, which one did a better job as a movie of telling the story of overcoming obstacles in sort of an inspirational, not necessarily underdog way, but sort of you're watching someone do something that they set their mind to and they work hard for. You want to get into it? Let's do it. Okay, which one are you going to rewatch, Dan? Oh, it's got to be Kingpin, man. Like, I, I, I laughed quite a bit during that movie. I, I really like so many of the actors that are in this movie, particularly Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray, are, I think are, are fantastic in, in pretty much everything they've, they've done. Um, I think Bill Murray even has a in Zombieland. They ask him when he's dying. They ask him if he has any regrets, and he shakes his head no. And then he goes, Garfield, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that might perfect be line. Only, That's ex- so perfect. Ex- yeah, it might be the only exception. But um, you know, uh, especially Bill Murray in this movie. Uh, apparently, he ad libbed virtually every line he spoke. Wow. Including that uh, commercial. I was about to ask about the commercial. Uh, they, the Farrelly brothers said he read over the script, got the general idea, and then discarded it. <laughs> and apparently on the DVD commentary, they said that they're very glad that he did because it was funnier than what they had, had written. And apparently Bill Murray does that in the majority of movies that he's in. <laughs> uh, there was another part where... Uh, Bill Murray's character bowls three strikes in a row, and apparently that really happened. Whoa. Uh, He really bowled three strikes in a row, and the crowd's reaction is genuine, and it's actually for Bill Murray (laughs) rather than (laughs) his character because he he did it. Uh, And then uh, I also heard that Woody Harrelson, on the other hand, was a terrible bowler. Get it? Other hand? Get it, Dan? (laughs) And, uh, may, and they said he maybe only got one or two strikes throughout the entire filming of the movie. <laughs> wow. Um, and it kind of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, like, White Men Can't Jump, because apparently Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes were both not good basketball players. That's awesome. That's so and good to hear. Taught how to how to play basketball. You and can't dribble with both hands. <laughs> That'll kind of you know tie into when we talk about like which one was you know more realistic portrayal of of the athletes. But in White Man Can't Jump, you wouldn't know that these guys went in not knowing how to play basketball at all. So I, I thought that was interesting. But to get back to the original point before I got off off topic, uh, 
I, I just Kingpin was very enjoyable to watch. It was funny. It like was lighthearted. It like didn't confuse me <laughs> like Rollerball did. I didn't feel like I needed like uh, cliff notes to understand what the hell was going on. It was it was you know just really easy to to follow and and understand and and goofy and and I think that you know I could see myself saying oh. Kingpin's on. I'll watch that again. I don't think I could. I I don't think I have any desire to sit down and watch Rollerball again. I was bored with Rollerball, like a movie that's all about an extreme sport and action and a revolution. Yeah. Was legitimately boring to watch. Now yeah, you got to go out of your way to make it. I'm I'm going I'm going with Kingpin Kingpin as well, but I thought that they could have. I wasn't a huge fan of some of their comedy, like the whole, like, I milked your bowl, and then he had, like, a milk mustache on. Like, some of the stuff was, like, un like I right. thought was unnecessary. Right. But, and that's the Farrelly brothers, you know. Yeah. They do that. But they also, like, it was, lit, like, the whole, like, dancing thing, and Woody Harrelson just punches him in the mouth to, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, that was... There were parts in it, again, like you said, that were really funny, and I was just sort of, like... I wanted it all to be that quality, and that's kind of unreasonable for a PG-13 movie that, like, the mass appeal is not for, like, me, you know? There was, uh, if on the, the TV, I think, in the background, there was, uh, like, the Jefferson's on Ice was... that Yeah, that's... No, they, when little, they go to Vegas, they go to Vegas. Yeah, little things like that where, you know... Attention to detail. Yeah, they yeah. just... They, they reward the audience for paying yeah, attention. Yeah, they do. They really do. That's a good way of saying it. That's a good way of saying it. Definitely kingpin all the way for me. Great. What about which sport would you rather participate in, or would you want to go and be an audience member for a live event? Well, um... Which is kind of a tricky question, because we both really want to watch the Battle Hawks, but I don't know if I want to participate in the XFL. Yeah, I don't... I don't want to participate in rollerball. However, uh, in in a dystopian future <laughs> where you mean which I, you mean which, tomorrow, <laughs> which, we're, which we're you know currently in, toward, yeah. I think that you know rollerball is obviously the more exciting of the two to watch. Not um, in this I, movie. <laughs> the concept of it though. i can't tell how long the game is or how many points either person has it's, it's like soccer you can't at, tell when it ends it's at like no it point is there a scoreboard visible don't need one yeah you do <laughs> i'm gonna throw a rollerball a bone man because i i feel like in the end i'm just gonna end up just shitting all over it so i'm gonna give it this one <laughs> and say that i would in a dystopian future where um, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. At least we have this. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to support the capital, but can you really turn away from, like, you know, people killing each other to, you know, feed their district? <laughs> you know, it's it's like you have to watch. As as much against, of, as, against it as you may be, you're going to watch. That's kind of our way of volunteering, you know? Um tribute is by watching <laughs> yeah it's very noble of us to watch right <laughs> it's it's it take a big sacrifice honestly. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a rollerball a bone. That might be the only one they get from me. So, um, I have gone bowling and I have had fun bowling, but it's not because I was bowling. It's because like the people I'm right. with are like yeah. you know they have three dollar pitchers and like or we'll put the bumpers up. I'm so yeah. bad, and I think that's the thing is like bowling seems to be such a deceptively easy game. Um, again, to the sports versus game thing, like people who are less strong than me are way better at bowling than me. And people who are less athletic than I perceive myself to be are much better at bowling than me. Yep. And it's because they practice and like, that's, you know, that could be, that's just a skill. And so like, I don't think I'm bad at bowling cause I'm not quote unquote athletic. I'm just, I don't practice, but it looks so easy. Sure. And I think that goes with the whole video game or, like, poker thing. Like, you have to put in work to, like, it seems like it's just one motion. But if you're off by a quarter inch, then your ball's going the wrong way. Or, you know. So, like, I've played bowling, and it's not that, and I don't want to watch it. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh. Although, I guess I do want to watch it for whenever anybody doesn't get a strike. I'm like, look at this guy. He's not so great. <laughs> Um, but like the idea of a rollerball scenario where someone takes different parts of sports that already exist and create it is so cool to me that I like, I'm all about that. I don't know. I can't participate in it because I don't know how to ride a motorcycle and I can't skate. So like I'm out. Like I'm, I'm worse at skating than I, than I am at bowling. I know that's hard for you to hear because you're like, Oh Mike, you're good at everything. I'm like, no, Dan, (laughs) I'm bad at both skating and bowling. So if you could, which in a lot of ways, no, it's not like bowling at all. Cause you throw the ball at a a gong instead of pins. I think they should have hard hard enough, not necessarily hard. Um, so I'm definitely going with, I would want to be in the audience for rollerball or I would be a ro- in rollerball if we could, or they have like hockey where you don't have skates yeah. or ice skates. Like I would do the rollerball version of that where someone would just be on like a BMX bike <laughs> instead of a motorcycle. And then we would just run around. I would right. do that. I would be bad at it. I'd be like, put your, put your chin strap on. I'd <laughs> I wear my helmet backwards. You're like, that's <laughs> stupid. Why would yeah, you do that? you're an idiot. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, but when anything with extreme sports or the X Games has my attention. Full stop. Um, so I'm going to, I would rather participate in that sport from a uh, fan perspective. Right. And uh, which one of these movies portrayed their sport in a realistic way which one had believable athletes in it um so for me i know that like chris klein and lo cool j like like work out and stuff i think they just do roids like but but they don't they didn't look like they knew what the hell they were doing like i mean i know like what do you base it on because it's a made-up sport but I mean, it didn't look very athletic to me. The, it was it was edited in a way that is, you know, when they do a lot of these movies where they like the editing makes a fight scene, quote unquote, ver, you know, visceral, where really it's just like they don't know they don't want to pay stunt people and they don't want to do choreography, so it's just like 
somebody punching and then cut to behind them and the person falls down. It's sort of yeah. like that where they cheapen so much of it through like editing that they don't actually like, I don't know if Chris Klein can skate because every yeah. shot is from behind him. So it might be a body double or him holding on to the back of a motorcycle that might not be moving. Right. Like I can't tell. And obviously the editing in, uh, kingpin is such that woody harrelson's good at bowling with a fake hand even with a real <laughs> hand he's bad at so like but i think it's more believable so i'm going with kingpin i think it's more believable because they don't bowl perfect games at all in the entire movie yeah and i think that was very believable yep i'm gonna go with uh kingpin too just because uh bill murray bowled those three strikes in a row and the crowd went wild so <laughs> good for him you know, and, look, and you... i couldn't tell that that woody harrelson was bad at bowling because he is a good actor and yeah. can te get a, apparently is so good that he can learn how to you know do things convincingly athletically that i've seen in in several movies he was in a boxing movie too with oh. uh antonio banderas uh, pay it to the bone. I think it was called. Okay. And I'm that sure, sounds familiar. I'm sure Woody Harrelson had no boxing background, but he he's convincing in everything he does. So, and I don't think he'd ever hunted zombies before Zombieland either. And he convinced me otherwise. I can't argue with that. It's <laughs> nobody can. It's 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 nonsense. Steel clad <laughs> steel clad logic again. Um, I do want to bring up, though, that, like, I I don't have an issue with, like, the teams being co-ed in Rollerball, but I do have an issue with none of them looking like athletic people who, right. like, right. I couldn't tell if you needed to work out to, like, the big guy just got hit in the face, like, with the steel ball, and he went down, like, what's the point of having a linebacker if he doesn't, you know, help? your your quarterback like you know or like yeah, what's the point the of having a running back what yeah what's the point of having a running back if they can't run like it didn't look like any of these people were good at their position yeah. but like you've seen a lot of professional bowlers and they are overweight men <laughs> like mm -hmm. like big old bellies and they're just like rocketing down that 10 pound ball as hard as they can and it hits the pins and they get a strike. That's how the game is played. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Last of all, of course, which one did a better job of telling a sports movie story? Where uh, the main character overcame obstacles in an inspirational underdog story? I mean, for me, it's got to be Woody Harrelson's character in Kingpin. You know, he actually had a an arc that you know, as silly as it as the concept of it was, he he had a re, a redemption arc, and um, you know we had the, the bookends of Bill Murray at the beginning and Bill Murray at the end, which I thought was was done very well. You know, to kind of set up that uh, you know that uh, nemesis for him to to try to overcome. You know, at the end that that set his life off. You know, on this downward spiral, I didn't really get like any kind of <laughs> redemption or overcoming anything with Chris Klein's character like I, I guess like they they end up 
like at at the end kind of again you're doing so much work (laughs) for this movie with a 70 million dollar budget and 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 it's It's because you don't like talking shit on stuff dan (laughs) like you want things to be good because when you do things you try to make them good like that's that's who you are as a person so you're like hey john john mctiernan's trying to die hard this movie in you're trying to be the john mcclain you're trying to be the john mcclain of this movie where you're trying to make it uh, nakatomi tower (laughs) and he should have got uh uh uh, Severus Snape to be yeah. in what's, uh, what's Alan Rickman R.I.P. Alan Rickman should have got him and should have said yippee ki and yeah. should have walked on some glass and should have got uh, the uh, instead the of LL Cool J we get police officer from Family Matters Al, pa- Al Powell <laughs> played by uh, Johnson um, Shereel Reginald Reginald Johnson, Johnson yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. If they would have got those, like, you know, and just done that. Well, in the third Die Hard movie, which John McTiernan came back for after he got out of, or before he went to prison, um, they got Samuel L. Jackson as John McClane's sidekick. Uh, oh, he I plays guess. he plays Zeus. So I think that would be a good role here too. You're like, oh, but LL Cool J is so young, and like, who cares? I can't understand and, and how this movie. A, and such a good actor. So I think the important thing here is they, John McTiernan went on record as saying he changed the script so that this would become a classic underdog story. At no point do I feel like the main character, like you said, has an arc, grows, matures, learns something, or is it all sympathetic? He just seems like he's just a jerk. He's just a douche that... (laughs) you know just does douchey things and got caught up in this world of you know by his by his own making he got caught up in it and now we're supposed to like root for him you know i don't at no point that i that i feel connected to any of the characters in that movie except for paul Heyman. yeah the announcer yeah because you got the <laughs> cans got on like oh my god you got your mic, you got your whiskey. You're you're a, in a lot of ways you feel him. You're you he's yeah. the audience surrogate in a lot of ways. He likes wrestling, I like wrestling. Yeah. Um I don't feel that there was that Woody Harrelson earned my sympathy. Um but I thought that uh the um Randy Quaid character did a really good job because like I don't think Woody Harrelson should have won. Parent, like, okay. should we, should we spoil it? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I don't think he should have won, and I appreciate that they didn't let him win. I I appreciate that, and it's just because like sometimes people like Bill Murray are going to beat you because they know how to game the system, and like it's so, it was so funny that like he still like the story gets to end well. Like he's like, yeah, I lost, but I got the five hundred thousand dollars. From, uh, Trojan condoms. Seeing the Rubber Man. That was a, that was so good. Cause it's just like, cause the Fairley brothers are like, you know, like we 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 thought it was important that he didn't win because right. that would be, uh, you know that that would seem seem artificial. And I'm like, and okay. He, and then he uses that money to yeah. save Ishmael's farm. And I think, is, and that's I'm why I thought this. Yeah, I liked that. 
but I didn't think it followed the traditional, like, there was no legitimate, like, you can't train to be better at bowling, like, in a week. Sometimes just, you know, it's just like in, in sports, sometimes the team that spends, usually the teams that spends the most money and has the most, most resources wins. Yeah. Every once in a while, the underdog comes up and, and sneaks one out. And I think that's the Rocky story is, like, he had better trainers. Right. Like, that's, yeah. he knows, Absolutely. also, like, he's been boxing before like it he knows how to do better at boxing apollo creed does so um but yeah so i'm gonna give it to uh kingpin me too um but just because rollerball was inexplicable as a as a sports movie and i think the overall story of kingpin is a good sports movie i will say this for rollerball though i'm listening it it did, and this is in all seriousness, it did kind of make me want to watch the 1975 one. How could they have, yeah, ex- only because, so actually, um, a couple episodes back, my buddy Bob and I watched a 2000s remake of a 1969, 67 movie. So we watched the Get Carter remake. Mm-hmm that had Sylvester Stallone in it and the original was um Michael Caine and it is such a stark difference and it's sort of like the audiences in the 2000s just wanted artifice they just wanted like yeah. loud yep. synth shitty music that they hear on the radio mm-hmm. and they want flashy special like flashy cuts and like popular people wearing ridiculous outfits where like Really, the the story is completely lost, and the the bad thing is like the story was interesting and it was just told in a way that like oh it's going to be a gritty crime movie or in this case it's like oh it's going to be an extreme sports movie, and like the directors of the remakes misunderstood. They're just like oh it's because people like gritty cop movie or gritty crime movies, and you're like that's not what the story is at all, and like. They're like, oh, people like Rollerball. You're like, what in the hell are you talking about? That's yeah. not what this movie is at all. They're like, no, it's in the title. Like, oh, man. So, yeah, no, I think we should both uh, watch Rollerball with James Kahn from 1975. Yeah, Jimmy Kahn. Sonny. Uh, so, so that gives, <laughs> that gives a uh, pretty overwhelming... Overwhelming. For, ...for Kingpin. Uh, do you mind if I uh, hit you with a little some factoids from... From these uh, films this, here. This is what you call uh, fun facts for no and tell. Yeah, go ahead. This is Dan segment. Um, <laughs> so in the coming year, I'm going to get. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go full soundboard like Dan does, but I'm definitely going to get some uh, music for segments. So this will be uh, when Dan's on and he does his fun facts for no and tell. Uh, we'll get a little. We'll get a little um, ditty going here. A little All right, well, stinger. Let's, let's do. Uh... For Kingpin first, uh, apparently I'm, gonna, Peter I'm just Farrelly, gonna. I'm gonna sit back and drink while you talk. That's Go fine. Ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Peter Farrelly called the film's box office failure the biggest disappointment of their career, attributing the failure to its release during the 1996 Olympics. Uh, Farrelly said that it was crushing. However, he said that six to eight months later, when the film was released on home video, it became a big hit. I, so would... I guess it found its audience in uh, in rental. I would guess I, w- I want to classify this 
maybe I would classify this as a cult classic. Like yeah. I've heard, I know it, especially because of like the video rental stuff. Yeah, so. very much so. Uh, but I, I mean, it ended up making a. I think it was like twenty five million to make, but it made like thirty two million at the box office. That's what so, I saw too. But then it, it then it, you know, made all it, like a lot of the movies at the time. You know, everybody talks about how how big of a bomb Waterworld was. Yeah. But Waterworld ended up being profitable after uh, rental and uh, and. VHS and then later DVD sales. Not to and, mention the video game. <laughs> In the Universal the Studios, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, people talk about, oh, it's the most expensive movie ever made and it was the biggest bomb. No. There's been way bigger <laughs> bombs than that because they didn't, you know, end up, you know, people would rent that movie just yeah. to see how bad it was. Yeah. And the thing and is, the, it wasn't that it wasn't as bad as rollerball right sort of thing. and they like, would watch it they go oh what you go in with such low expectations yes. and then you're ple- pleasantly surprised yes but nobody was pleasantly surprised by rollerball uh a- according to chris farley's agent yes chris farley was offered the the randy quaid part of ishmael but his contractual obligation to appear in the 1996 movie black sheep <laughs> derailed this plan which Black Sheep's not a bad movie. It's just it, so in a lot of ways, I liken it to the first time anybody like people's opinions about malt liquors when they're like, "Oh, I'm a Mickey's guy." You're like, "Oh no, it's old English for me." You're like, "Guys, it's the exact same thing." So it's like if it's the same thing with Chris Farley movie preferences from the like mid '90s. So like people are like, "Oh, Tommy Boy's the best one." You're like, "No, it's Black Sheep all the way." It's like, guys, it's whichever one you watched first. Yep. That's that's the taste you develop. Yeah, bo- same thing with Adam Sandler, I think. Yeah. They're they're fine. They're both funny. You don't have to dis so are you gonna follow up with the other people who might have been in the movie? Uh well Michael Keaton there was it originally is. considered for the uh Woody Harrelson role in Roy Munson. Can so can we talk about that again? So like we watched the original Batman and we watched Clean and Sober. And both of those movies were, like, Michael Keaton in a, like, unusual role. Because usually he's the funny guy. What movies was he funny in, Dan? Was it uh, just Mr. Mom? Mr. Mom, uh... Multiplicity's years later, so it's not Gun that. Gun Ho? It's the one about the <laughs> the Japanese uh, auto factory. That was pretty good. Didn't see it. <laughs> Uh, Jim Carrey was the first choice of the Farrelly brothers to play the Bill Murray role. Because he had just done Dumb and Dumber with him. Right. right. Uh, hmm. In the final tournament at the end, the announcer says that there is a Cinderella story shaping up here. And that refers to one of Bill Murray's famous lines in Caddyshack. Oh. Cinderella story uh, come from out of nowhere. <laughs> Where he's the- Talking to himself on the course and like doing his own like play by play. Nicholas Cage turned down the Woody Harrelson role of Roy Munson, I believe, so he could do. Oh, I forgot what what movie it said that that he ended up doing. Ninety six. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, it I'll could happen to that. you, maybe. The scene of uh, Skidmark. Yep. Uh, so that was MLB pitcher uh, Roger Clemens, and um, 
he apparently it's been confirmed that he is his character is related to the sea bass character from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I love Link, that there's there's Link a Farley verse, Farley verse, Farley verse. Awesome. Sea uh, bass character was a a hockey player named Cam Neely who was famous for always fighting. He was like oh. one of the tough guys. So kick his ass, Sea bass. Okay. <laughs> yes. When uh, Jeff Daniels' character throws salt over his, his <laughs> in the uh, so, is that a so diner Cam, scene? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it spills the salt, and Jim Carrey's character tells him that's unlucky, especially when they're getting ready to do this like cross-country trip. So he says, "We well, got to throw the salt over your left, uh, over your right shoulder for good luck." He throws the whole container, and it hits Sea Bass, who hilarious. Yeah. So Skidmark is related to Sea Bass with the Pharaoh. That's Christ. awesome. And then the last thing I found was that um, when Woody Harrelson's character has the dream that um, uh, the gambler, I guess Chris Elliott's character, yeah. is going to pay yeah. a million dollars to sleep with Randy Quaid's character. Right. That's a re- reference to Indecent Proposal, which yeah. Woody Harrelson was also in. I, so I knew that was a reference to that. I forgot that Woody Harrelson was in it. Yep. Woody Harrelson, Demi Moore, and uh, Robert Redford. <laughs> whoa, Robert Redford. Whoa, totally forgot about that. So that was that. That came out three years before this movie. <laughs> um, I'm very upset that you forgot to mention that Blues Traveler performs their song, but anyway, dressed in traditional Amish clothing at the end. Sort of a sort of a glaring misstep there, Dan. That you that you forgot to mention that. But anyway, <laughs> not that bad of a song. Not that bad of a band. And then uh, uh, I don't have as many uh, fun facts about Rollerball because it's just not a very fun movie. I don't know. Did but, you hear? Did you hear when the director went to jail, <laughs> federal prison? So LL Cool J apparently appeared on Late Night with Conan O'Brien back in oh, 2003. Oh God! And said that the film sucked, <gasps> but that it was his duty to promote the film. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Press tour. You know what? Dan, Dan, I'm going to get out of my ivory tower for just a hot minute and say, hey, LL, what movie have you been in that you wouldn't say that about? Like, has he been in, like, a good movie? No. Because I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea, but it's not, like, good. It's, like, camp, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. I'm going to let you throw some throw some stats my way meanwhile i'm going to look up other movies he's been in okay uh i got a couple more here and remember when i couldn't uh a few seconds ago when i couldn't recall what movie nicholas cage yes. turned down uh apparently i had it mixed up because nicholas cage was offered the lead role in both of these movies mike whoa <laughs> nicholas cage turned down the role of uh turned down a the lead role in rollerball and uh decided to make the movie the family man instead which was probably a good choice on his part i didn't like that one as much oh wait no i'm thinking better than rollerball i'm thinking of the weatherman (laughs) i didn't see that you know what uh so ll cool j was in an episode of smackdown in 2002 okay um he was in swat which i didn't hate with uh colin firth colin farrell sorry that would be that would be so much that movie would be so different if it had colin firth in it. 
I, I remember I, I fell asleep during SWAT and woke up like an hour later and the story hadn't progressed. Yeah. No, it's, like, it's like two and a half hours long. Uh, Keanu Reeves was also uh, offered the role. Whoa. Of, uh... I know, Rollerball. <laughs> I joke, uh, but I love him. Chris Klein role. And uh, the last one I have is that uh, this was John McTernan's second remake of a film that was originally directed by Norman Jewison. That okay. is his real name, Norman Jewison. Okay. What was the other movie? Uh, so Norman Jewison directed the original Rollerball, and oh. he also directed the 1968 Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, yes. Which uh, John McTernan directed the remake of in 1999. With Rene Russo and... Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, James okay. Bond. Cool. So, so there you go. Fun that's a lot of going. that's a lot of good facts. Um this movie would have been different with those other actors. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. It would have been different with a different director maybe. Yeah. And a different script. Oh wait, it was. It was already a movie that was good. That's too bad. Um, we'll be back in just a second with some recommendations for movies that we, sports movies we wholeheartedly recommend. We're back. Uh, it's time for Dan to tell us what sports movie he recommends, and then I'll tell you which one I recommend. Oh, man, there's so many. So many good ones. There's so many good ones. Um... You know, you talked you talked about Rocky, um, just one of the the greatest sports movies of all time, uh, and actually one of the ones that was seen at, at, that got acclaim from the film industry as yes. just being just being a great movie. Um, but th I mean, there is there are, are tons of you know um, movies that. Like uh, what was the uh, Raging Bull with Robert yeah. De Niro um, also got you know critical acclaim, but you know th the ones that I kind of gravitate toward are you know ones that I saw you know growing up or that my dad introduced me to. Um, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna give a couple that might be a little because we a lot of them we talked about just kind of offhandedly earlier. You know we talked about like White Man Can't Jump. We talked about you know, my affinity for Space Jam and you know, <laughs> movies like that, like the Mighty Ducks and, yeah. you know, movies like that, uh, Major League. But I'm going to say, uh, have you ever seen the movie uh, Slapshot? Uh, that was on my list because I had not seen it. So I recommended that to you as one of these, and you're like, nah, bro, I already saw it. Because, yeah, like, it's uh, one of the movies that everyone should see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Slapshot with, uh, uh, who's the, the salad dressing guy? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. <laughs> so it is uh, about a minor league hockey club, and um, they can't get fans to come because they're, they're so bad. They can't get fans to, to come to the games. And uh, you've probably seen, uh, probably the, the most famous thing to come out of that movie was the Hanson brothers. And I'm not talking about the, uh, Umbop guys. Then I'm not listening. But there were, uh, there were these three brothers who they bring in, uh, to, to play for the team. I think the team name was called the chiefs and they all have like big, like, uh, big plastic, you know, like framed glasses. <laughs> 
and they are just goons, and they just beat the shit out of people, and they're not very good at hockey, but they just beat the holy hell out of everybody. And then they start winning games, but they start winning games through like these like nefarious means of being goons. And you know, Paul Paul Newman is like the player coach, and uh, you know, has to kind of balance. You know, oh, we got more fans coming, but you know, are we playing hockey the right way? And uh, it, it's it's a hilarious movie. It's it's so funny. There's <laughs> one time where uh, the the Hanson brothers go into the penalty box, and then like somebody, uh, one of the fans throws something at them, so they take off into the stands to beat the shit out of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really funny. Uh, I think it came out like in '79 or '78 or something like that. So it was it was even before I was born. But you know, my dad showed it to me when I was younger. I just thought it was hilarious, and that's one that I think kind of flies under the radar of, of great sports movies, so I'll recommend that. I think you bring up a good point where, like, the most famous ones are kind of already well-known, and uh, so, like, Sandlot was going to be one of mine, or, like, The Natural, Major mm -hmm. League, and, like, I sort of navigate towards those, like, football movies I like, but, like, I sort of navigate towards sports that I've played a little bit more, so I, like I have a little bit more sympathy, a little bit more involved in the uh, story, and so like, but one that I, uh, like you said, under the radar, I'm going to recommend. Uh, it's the movie, so it's written, directed, and starring Stephen Chow, and it's called Shaolin Soccer. And so like, mm. I was a big fan of soccer. This movie has kung fu in it. It's like just off the wall physical comedy like slapstick and then it's also just like a story of you know underdogs who um i don't know if you're familiar so you probably were too old but there was a cartoon called mutant league mm -hmm. and um yeah. there was also a video game so maybe you're more familiar with that but it's just like it's regular sports played by extraordinary people and that's sort of the premise of shaolin soccer is these like Shaolin masters are using their kung fu skills to play soccer and so they like this one guy kicks a ball and then it turns into like an energy lion <laughs> and like this other guy has to like play defense by kicking up a tornado and it's just like it it's live action but it's just sort of like over the top and it's funny but it also sort of captures the whole like well I want this team to win and they're going up against these guys who are, like, cheating by using, like, the equivalent of, you know, human growth hormone for kung fu and whatever. And so, so like... Of course. But it, of course. And it's also... I think it's his first movie that made it to the States. Because Kung Fu Hustle came after that. But and those are the only two ones that are, like, quote-unquote mainstream. Everything else is, like, super, uh, like... Chinese audience specific so that I've watched them and it doesn't make any sense so I think this is a really good movie where it's like you see a clear arc of the like shitty protagonist who's a dick who like learns to like be a team player and grow and like help his team go from like last place to first place sort of thing and so but it's also involves like soccer which is fun to watch and like you know interesting when it's done for a movie so that's where I'm coming down uh, I'll tell you too i forgot to mention that uh slapshot was directed by george roy hill okay who uh directed uh apparently he's got some connection with paul newman because oh. he directed butch cassidy and the sundance kid 
Okay. Uh, he directed The Sting. Love The Sting. Uh, so, you know, those were came out a few years before Slapshot, but if you like either of those movies, you might like uh, his take on uh, minor league hockey. I know you're not... Well. Th- this is neither the time nor the place, but, like, Paul Newman is such a lost like treasure like do you do we really have actors that are that versatile now who can play like 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 who would be the closest thing to that that we have today who can Um, play like so i guess it would be sort of like a like a brad pitt i guess who can play drama and comedy uh right just because like he's been in those different roles but like that's the closest i can come like who off the top of my head like comedians usually stay in comedy and serious actors usually mm-hmm. don't want to you know and then like you have the occasional serious actor who like gets old enough that they like are are in action movies all of a sudden like mm-hmm. that was the, i think that was i was kind of upset with denzel washington for doing that when he started doing like the book of eli and the equalizer bullshit mm-hmm. where you're just like you're so talented just stick with like the thing you're good at, which is like being dramatic and a regular person instead of like a blind guy with swords in the future. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, like somebody like Hugh Jackman is really, uh, that's you know, yeah, versatile. I yeah. Mean, kinda, that's a good point. Cause he uh, can kind of, co- you know, cover all the bases move between as, like, genres fluidly. Yeah. Can do, can do comedy, but can also do drama, can also do action, can do musicals, and, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's somebody. That's a good um, point. I think, like, Robert Downey Jr. is somebody who, you know, can kind of cover all the bases, I think. I don't know, know if I really see him as, like, a like a big action guy. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's a, a superhero. <laughs> but but that's, that's why he's such a good Iron Man, is because he's yeah. snarky and not a superhero. Like, that's right. the... Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point of the character, like, inside the suit. He's just, you know, yeah. this smart, rich guy. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jim Carrey, like, tried to, keeps we trying wa- to cross Dude, over. Dude, we watched the number 23, right? Uh, yeah. That was, that was trash. That was yeah. dog shit bad. He's tried, but he, he really kind of needs to just stay in his lane. Um, you know, Tom Hanks is a guy that is good in everything he does. But I, I would argue that really it's always like safe. I think, yeah. like, he stopped doing things that were interesting. Or, not interesting, that's not fair. He stopped doing things that were risky as a, like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to play a character that's not well-liked. Like, he's only done that once maybe twice and like the road to perdition was so obviously like we're on his side because right. he, he's like i'm doing it for my son you're like eh, i guess that makes you conflicted <laughs> or ambivalent like yeah I, I just think that like the days of that sort of like paul newman's playing like like he's the hero in all of them but like he's playing you know a a, a like an outlaw in the 1800s he's playing like a 1920s uh like hustler and then he's playing like a hockey player in the 60s that that's a lot of range yeah that's pretty amazing yeah and and uh tasty uh 
uh, treats for your grocery aisle. So. Yeah, man. Salsas are pretty good, too. He's one of the best salsas out there. That salsa where he's got the, the sombrero and the mustache. and um, I think... Have you seen all the racist... <laughs> but you... Yes, and usually they're on the salad dressings. The worst <laughs> is, like, when he's, he's like, doing, like, a... Uh, like a teriyaki and he's got the Fu Manchu. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, less racist, still ridiculous. He has the beret for the French dressing. And then he's like turned into a concrete, like a, a, a marble bust for the Caesar. Yeah. The little, little green things in his, in his head. The laurels. Yeah. Um, yeah, with... I think the I think the teriyaki might be the, the best one. Ah, uh, unbelievable. And with that, I think this is a perfect segue into Dan, can you uh do your plugs for us? Can you share share with our audience the the massive amount of other things you do besides this podcast? Sure. Uh, I always drop a lot of wrestling references when I'm on here because of the Rhino Wrestling Review, which uh, is on available on prowrestling.com and also on all podcast platforms. Uh, that comes out whenever I feel like it. It's not like a weekly thing or <laughs> whenever I got whenever I got something to say, Mike, it'll come out. Uh, we are on like uh, episode like one hundred and twenty nine or something like That's that. That's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, and just and just uh, coming up on our uh, fifth uh, fifth year, I think, finishing up our fifth year. Awesome. And um, and then for uh, that one is uh, rated explicit. Uh, but if you want a family-friendly one, uh, my wife and I, Jessica, are doing a chapter-by-chapter -chapter discussion of the Harry Potter novels called Broomsticks and Butterbeer, which is available on all podcast platforms. And uh, we are currently, as we record this, about halfway through the fourth book. So we uh, it's not like we don't read the chapter out loud or anything like that. We read it beforehand, and then we discuss it and I'm going into it blind, and she's read it a million times, so it is uh, it is a, a fun journey for me. So those are the two things that I would, uh, I'd like to throw out there for your listening enjoyment. Great. Goblet of Fire, I think, is my favorite one. So It's taken a long time to get things going, bro. It's a long book, bro. Like, that's, <laughs> how, that's how things are, okay? Okay. Un unlike Rollerball. That's how that things are. Unlike Rollerball, that's over in an hour and 40 minutes, and you're like, wow, that took three hours. Okay. Put on a t shirt. That's how things are. <laughs> Comparing apples to oranges. Available on all podcast platforms. Yeah, we're on Spotify now. That's just how things are, Mike. Huh? Not wrong. As it's off. Um, well, thanks so much for being here, Dan. My pleasure. This has been Comparing Apples to Oranges. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. We'll catch you next time. you can talk trash on LL Cool J for his acting chops, but the guy can rap. All right, that's that was No Crew is Superior. That is the I think theme song for NCIS. So that that's some good time. Okay, this was episode six zero sixty of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Um, got the blogger site up uh, with all the archived episodes. You check that out at thecatopodcast.blogspot.com. Check out the goodies in the show notes. Uh, if you have any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, send it to on Twitter. It's at the Cato Podcast, all one word, or send an email to catopodcast at gmail.com. Remember that's Cato, C A T O, for comparing apples to oranges. Intro, outro, music, bad music was the song Thumbs Up by that artist Leisure B. If you liked him, want to check out more of his work, go to humanworkshop.com. Uh, keep an eye out for the Tumblr page and. Um, I think I'm going to get an Instagram page going up for the podcast, so start presenting some stuff on there. That's kind of fun. Okay, until then, uh, we'll see you next month. Bye.